Our second lesson will serve as the basis for our sermon this morning. A lesson from Philippians chapter 3. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But wherever, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Good morning. How are you guys today? Any of you guys ever seen this before? This is called Shugu. This is the original Shugu. The reason I brought this up here today, this is kind of like a, a glue for shoes, okay? This shoe right here, I bought a little under a year ago. I went to a store that had a buy one, get one half off sale. That means you buy one pair of shoes, full price, you get a second pair of shoes, half price. Pretty good deal, right? So I'll tell you the price. For $75, I got two pairs of shoes, and these are one of them. Now, these shoes broke recently. I was walking, and the entire heel on this shoe popped off. And as I take steps, it slaps up on the bottom of my heel, right? And we got to fix this. So what did I do? I bought some shoe glue. And I put it on the bottom, and I glued my shoe back together. And so now it's stuck, and I could keep wearing them, right? If your shoes break, do you have to buy shoe glue to fix them? Could you just get a new pair of shoes? Would that be okay? Yeah. Do they make shoes that are more expensive than these? Sure do. Sure do, right? About five years ago, I bought a pair of shoes, the one that preceded these guys. It was $130 for one pair of shoes, but it lasted me four years. Now, this shoe didn't even last me a year till I had to start fixing it. Is it better to buy more expensive shoes or less expensive shoes? Well, that's not really the point, but the point is we could disagree, couldn't we? 
Some people could say, I'm going to buy the cheapest shoes I can get. If they break, I will fix them. And I will fix them and I will fix them till I cannot fix them anymore. Then I'll buy some more cheap shoes. Somebody else might say, I'm going to buy one really nice pair of shoes that costs a little more money and they'll last me for years and I will never have to fix them. It's not that one is right and one is wrong. It's just that in this world, as you get older, you're going to learn different people value things differently. And that's okay. Today, though, we're going to talk about a different way of viewing things. And actually, one way of viewing things is right, and the other way of viewing things is wrong. We're going to talk about how God values things, and we're going to talk about how the world, you and me, sinful human beings, value things. And we're going to find out that what God thinks is trash should be thrown out in the garbage. The world thinks is treasure, the most valuable things we have. And what God thinks is treasure, the world thinks is trash. They don't agree. It's actually what we're singing about in our hymn. The first verse of the hymn went like this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare to make no other claim but wholly lean on Jesus' name. The hymn is saying the most valuable thing we have is Jesus. But the world thinks Jesus is trash. And they're ready to throw him out like garbage. But Christians say, on Christ the solid rock I stand. Everything else is sinking sand. If you built a house on sand and a big storm came with a flood, you know what would happen? The sand would wash away and the house would fall down. Sinking sand. But Jesus is a solid rock. Even though the world thinks he is trash, he's actually the most valuable thing we have. Today we're going to focus on the true value found in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we live in a world that values things very differently from how you value things. We ask that you would teach us to see value in the same way as you. Help us to identify the treasure of Jesus, to cling to him above all else. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Work in us a perspective that values only what you value. In the same way, help us to see the the trash surrounding us. Help us to get rid of it and to value only what you value. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What does it look like for us to see things the way God sees them. How is that even possible? How is it possible for a sinful human being like us who perceive things in such a limited way? We got these eyes, (laughs) these ears, and a nose, and and a mouth, and, and hands. This room looks very different to me than it does to you, and it's simply the direction that our eyes are facing, right? And every single one of you has a little different view of me right now, of the room. Every single person in here is perceiving the world just a little bit differently. 
Your hearing may work better than the person next to you. Your eyes might work better than the person next to you. Some might have an advantage in one sense and a disadvantage in another. We perceive the world with these flawed senses that we have. How can we perceive things the way God perceives them? What would it look like if God answered that prayer that we just prayed? What would it look like if God enabled us to perceive value the way that he perceives value and to cling to that which is priceless and to get rid of that which is trash? Well, that's, those answers are, are found in this text from Paul's letter. It's really the, the point that, that Paul is is getting at. I referenced it in the children's devotion that the shoes picture is one that, that ironically comes up all the time in marriage class. So when I'm asked to perform a wedding ceremony to officiate a wedding, I have a little counseling session that I make the couple go through first. And the reason I use the particular counseling session that I use is it has these exercises which help to identify any potential conflicts in value that the couple had not yet identified throughout the course of dating, right? There's things like spiritual beliefs, there's things like sexual views, and the big one, in my opinion, money. People grow up in different environments, they grow up in different homes, and they just view money differently. And if they never talk about how they view money, it can be an incredible source of conflict. And shoes is one of the examples that's used. And I think it's an interesting one because people view shoes so differently. And if we can view the value of a pair of shoes that differently, some people cling to a pair of shoes for decades. How many of you have a pair of shoes that's over a decade old? Raise your hand. I I bet a bunch of hands go up, right? Why would you get a new pair? They fit good. They haven't worn out yet. That's a lot of value you've gotten out of that shoe, right? And I bet in most cases, the ones that lasted over a decade were probably not the very, very bottom of the price range. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. But just in our own horizontal relationships between humans, we can have incredible conflicts over the value of a dollar, the value of a purchase. And and as we discussed in the children's devotion, what's really being laid out before us today is this great conflict between how God values things and how the world values things. The, The world gets rid of trash. We understand that concept, right? And when you get rid of trash, you get rid of it. Our pickup day is Thursday morning. It's quite an event in our house. Our trash pickup guy is super friendly. He waves the whole way up to the can. He waves while he's loading the can into the truck. And then he waves as he's driving off. And our kids gather by the window to to greet the garbage man every single Thursday morning. But you know what they don't do? Take trips to the dump to check up on their trash. How many of you raised children in the 60s? Anyone here raised children in the 60s? A couple of you? How many of you raised children in the 70s? Raise your hand if you raised children in the 70s. 80s? 90s, early 2000s. We have people here who have raised children in many different decades. Those of you who raised children in the 60s, 
Do you think that there is a soiled diaper from one of your children, maybe 1968, still in a landfill somewhere? Bet you haven't thought about that recently, but I bet it's still there, right? Decades old. What happens to the trash when we, scraps of food, soiled diapers, things that are broken and worn out, you know intellectually they they go to the can and then they go to the bin and then they go to the truck and then they go to the landfill, out of sight, out of mind, right? But they're still there. Some of them may have decomposed beyond others, right? But when you get rid of it, you get rid of it, right? And you never think about it again. It's just gone. That's what people do with trash. And that's what people were doing with Jesus. That's why he told the parable he told in our gospel lesson. He didn't speak it to the Pharisees. He spoke it to the people. And then he quotes that that famous quote from Psalm 118 about builders and a stone that got rejected. There's a lot of building going on in our area. Houses. Townhomes, apartments, condos, industrial buildings, tons of construction, lots of builders. If a builder has a material that's going to be used for the foundation and finds out that that material is garbage product, what do you think the builder is going to do? You think they're just going to keep using it and watch their reputation go through the floor? Don't you think that a wise builder will reject a faulty product, especially the product that forms the foundation of the building? Wouldn't the builder know what he's talking about? Would you not consider the builder the expert? If I showed up at a construction zone and tried to tell the builders which materials were good and which were faulty, that would make no sense whatsoever. I have no idea what I'm talking about. None. But the builders do, right? If the expert builder rejects a foundational stone, could you not trust that expert? Would that not make sense? Well, sure it would. Except in the case of Jesus, a long time before the Messiah was born, God spoke through the psalm writer and said, the one rejected by the experts, that will be the one. The one rejected by the builders, he will be the foundation for the church. And Jesus says to those who are rejecting him, to those who look at him and say, you have no value, you have so little value, we are going to figure out a way to get rid of you and never think about you again. Jesus warns them, careful. What you think is trash is actually treasure. What you think is trash is actually treasure. And what you think is treasure is actually trash. As Paul writes this letter to the church in Philippi, he is talking to people who heard the gospel and then false teachers came in 
And sometimes they're called Judaizers, not because that's actually their name, but because they were trying to Judaize Christianity. They were trying to take concepts from the Jewish religion and say, yeah, Jesus, but you got to keep doing these things. You have to keep following the Jewish law. You have to have your boys circumcised on the eighth day. You, you have to continue to offer the sacrifices. You have to continue to be a good Jew. Otherwise, you can't be in. And Paul says, you want to play that game? Let's play. And he lists off his value. And he's basically saying, every single one of those fools who came in here and tried to tell you how to live your faith, they can't touch me. I'm that much better than them. And yet all that stuff, my status, the family I was born into, all the laws that I kept, all the supposed value that I earned, the things which were most valuable to me before I knew Christ, I now consider them Scubula, scubula is the word that he uses. Garbage, refuse, feces. Worthy of being tossed in the bin and never thought of again. Now that I have come to know what? The surpassing worth, the infinitely valuable worth of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now that I have come to know the surpassing value of Jesus, everything else that the world thought was so valuable, it's gone. I've completely gotten rid of it. Have you? Have you taken out the trash lately? Have you gotten rid of the things that are worthless, the things that are worth getting rid of and never thinking of again? Why do you want that raise after all? Why the 30 pictures, let's be honest, 50 pictures of the same thing and then the countless scrolling through to find just the right one and then post that one? Why are you doing all the quote-unquote good things that you are doing? You know, it's, it's interesting. The world is starting to use the word righteousness. Have you noticed that? There are certain authors who are using the word righteousness. It, it's coming up in political conversations, on news broadcasts, and they are talking in no way about Christianity or the biblical concept of righteousness. All they're talking about is People looking for a sense of righteousness. People looking for a sense that they're right and that the others are wrong. Where are you looking for righteousness? Paul says, all that stuff that I was striving and working and praying and faith in and all those things that I was focused on, worthless, garbage, trash. Get rid of them forever. Because there's one thing, one thing that's priceless, one thing worth clinging to, and that's Jesus. 
from the perspective of our triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there is one thing of value, and that's Christ. Christ Jesus, my Lord. Christ Jesus, your Lord. Christ Jesus, our Lord. The infinite God whose being is beyond our understanding, the God who fills the universe, who owns everything, infinite value, emptied himself of infinite value, became poor as poor could be. This is Philippians 3. Listen to what Paul said in the, in the previous chapter, Philippians chapter 2, talking about Jesus. He said, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That Jesus would get rid of all of his value as God, pour it out, become the humblest of the humble, the poorest of the poor, and allow God, his Father, to pour all of our refuse on him. Every single ounce of scubula, everything that you view as sin, the obvious stuff, and even all your flawed best attempts, all of it, placed on Jesus and he was thrown out like trash. The father threw out the son like trash as he endured hell on that cross. Jesus became the scubula, the refuse of my filth, your filth, so that you would never be thrown out. And this is where the resurrection comes in. Did you notice Paul's words speaking of the resurrection? I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. If Christ had stayed dead, he would be of no value to you, no value to me, no value to anyone. But it's his resurrection from the dead that we are about to celebrate here in just a few short weeks. It's his resurrection that changes everything. Because when he was raised from the dead, the father who threw him out welcomed him back with open arms because all that sin, all that refuse had been cleansed forever. Gone. Not like those diapers that are still in the dump. The dump didn't really take care of the filth. It didn't really get rid of it. It just buried it. Jesus actually got rid of the refuse. It's gone. 
It doesn't exist. It's been paid for. You've been cleansed. You are, are forgiven and at peace with your God. It's the resurrection of Jesus that proves it's gone because sin cannot remain with life. All that sin which caused Jesus' death is gone and the fact that he lives is proof. And so what do we do from here? If God has made me clean, if I get dirty again, won't he just make me clean again? Like what does it matter if I continue to sin Paul addresses that kind of abuse of grace, that kind of thinking. In the last part of our text with this, it's really a runner's analogy. Take a listen once again. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that. Sounds like Paul's the one doing the effort here, right? For which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, it's Jesus, my Savior, who reached down and pulled me out of hell and brought me up to paradise. Now I'm going to strive to value things differently. I'm going to strive to view things the way God views them, to stop looking at the things in this world which mean nothing. My, My goal as a parent is not to give my children the best experiences. My goal is to show them Jesus. My goal in life is not to advance as high as I can. My goal is to know Jesus and to share my knowledge of Jesus with anyone who will listen. Jesus, Jesus, only Jesus. It's the only thing of value. Everything else is worthless. And so Paul says, I I strive on, I, I press on. Forgetting what is behind, remember the Old Testament lesson? Stop thinking about my power in the past. Focus on what I'm doing now to send you the Messiah. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And that's going to look a lot like Christ's death and resurrection, isn't it? Because as we revalue, suffering will come. Guaranteed as we focus on only Jesus, as the only thing of value, all that faulty sources of comfort that this world has to offer, all that stuff we won't be looking to anymore. And earthly suffering can follow. Ridicule, rejection of the world as they look at us and say, your Christ is worthless. You are worthless. Away from me. Out of my sight, you Christians. I want nothing to do with you, refuse. We have Christ. Christ is all we need. In a little over a week, we are going to slow down. You can be sure the world around you will not. But there's a reason we do. We need to. We need to see Jesus. We need to see his suffering. We need to see his death. We need to see his resurrection. We need to hold before our eyes the one thing of priceless value. Jesus, Jesus, only Jesus. Let the world continue their sprint toward hell. We slow down. We take a breath. We look. We look at Jesus, 
the priceless Son of God. We cling to Him because He clinged to us. We cling to Him because He grabbed us and brought us to Himself. Amen.